0: Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 31, in which we talk with Hollis Chatelain. I want to say, first of all, thank you very much for listening. As always, I always appreciate having listeners, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I have a few announcements and some listener comments, but I want to get right to the crux of today's episode first and share with you my conversation with quilt artist Hollis Chatelain. I've long been an admirer of Holly Shetlin's work. Not only is she an incredible artist and she has incredible technical skills, but her quilts have a message. They really speak to me. And I was really, really excited to have the opportunity to take a lecture from her at Houston. And I mentioned that two or three episodes ago now. Um, And during that lecture, she talked about her special exhibit for the Imagine Hope project. So the next time I was in the show, I made a beeline for it. And it was Absolutely incredible. I had seen a couple of the quilts in the exhibit in magazines. It's always um, something else to see them in person, Uh, but several were completely new to me and they were just as I have grown to expect from her work. They were really moving, they were beautiful, uh, and they made me just pause and stand and think. I spent so much more time in that exhibit than I did in any other. Uh, You really do have to just sort of let her quilts speak to you and sink in. Um, now that being said, I don't usually approach people whose work I admire. I tend to instead kind of be a lurker. If I see the person, you know, in their booth or whatever, I'll kind of hang around the fringe edges and just hope I pick up on somebody else's conversation. I'm not good at starting them myself. Um, but there were a variety of reasons in this particular instance i was uh, I felt compelled to actually speak to Hollis while she was in her Imagine hope exhibit, and to make a long story short, she was gracious enough to grant me an interview. Now, I usually like to be a lot more prepared for interviews. <laughs> And I had all of about 30 seconds between her saying yes and us speed walking from the exhibit to find a quiet place to talk because of course she was very busy, had a lot going on and I didn't want to take up any more of her time um, than what I needed to to get the interview so I sat down with her with very little mental preparation but the opportunity to talk to an artist about her art and also help make others aware of an important exhibit I, I couldn't just say wait up give me 10 minutes you know I'll get back to you in a minute so it is what it is but um, she was wonderfully gracious and uh, very easy to talk to. And so I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with her. So without further pause, here is my conversation with Hollis Shatelin. I am sitting here with one of my heroes <laughs> in the quilting world, Hollis Chatelain. Um Am I pronouncing that correctly? Very okay. good. Wonderful. Um, And you have a project that you have recently launched called Imagine Hope. So could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Imagine Hope is a a project that started years ago when I was making quilts that were based on my dreams that were actually statement quilts. They they seemed to be saying something, telling me to make this quilt, talking about a certain issue. And when I would make them, people would come up to me and they'd say, I've never heard of this issue and it just makes me cry and I want to learn more about it and eventually somebody said to me why don't you put these all together and use it, art as a as a means to educate people. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it started and then we eventually added photographs to it by five different photographers that are on the same subject matters of the quilts and it, the exhibition has grown to what it is now, and what we're hoping is that we can use art as a means to educate people. When you say educate people, when I say educate people, it does not necessarily mean that they, we're going to give them all the information. But what we're hoping to do is to get a dialogue going, have people ask questions, have people wonder what this is really about. And so that's the whole, the basic idea of it. I'd be curious
0: to know, um, with your, your quilt that's featured in the show here, um, Innocence, or as you call him, Ernest, um, you have all sorts of images uh, quilted into his overall face. And I'm, I'd be curious to know, are there people that just sort of refuse to see certain images because they don't believe? You? you were pointing out to me earlier, the child soldier and the prostitute. Do you feel that maybe there's people who don't see them for what they are because they refuse to admit that those things even exist, really?
1: You know, I think that art, honestly, I believe that the um, art reflects what's happening in our society, Mm -hmm. and I think that sometimes people will see certain things in art because there's too many other things going on in their lives to be able to see and recognize the rest. Right now, our country is going through a very difficult time. People are worried about losing jobs. And two years ago, I think people wanted change. They wanted to think about working together to make a difference. Now people are worried much more about, am I gonna be able to make the payment on the house? Am I gonna be able to do this? And they don't wanna think about those issues. Mm -hmm. So they may see images on there, but I'm not sure if they really wanna go further into some questioning why those images are there. Mm. And I do believe that maybe two or three years ago, Maybe those questions would have come. Mm-hmm. Art is a reflection of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm.
0: I had uh, somebody I interviewed earlier re- used the phrase quilts as a response. And that really stuck with me and, and, and I'm feeling that your quilts are very much a response not only to your dreams but to what you're seeing in the world. Right. And then they evoke a response on the part of the viewer.
1: Um, I think that they do. Yeah. I, I think they do. And when people would come up to me with tears in their eyes or tears streaming down their faces because they had looked at my quilts i used to worry about it and now i've i've understood that this is not negative Mm -hmm. this is this is a positive thing because it's evoking an emotion Mm -hmm. and you know we're all taught to not be emotional that we have to be like this and 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 tough and all of that and Art, art is a good thing for evoking emotion and getting people to think, mm-hmm. but you have to figure out how to draw the person in, and that's why quilts are so wonderful. They're soft, they're tactile. Mm-hmm. They they draw people because people want to touch them, and I'm not encouraging touching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> in fact, that's usually frowned on in right. some cases.
1: It really is, but at the same time, it draws people in. They want to approach them to see what it's all about. And then suddenly they realize this is making a statement. This is talking about one thing in particular. I wonder what that is. I want to know more. Mm-hmm. That's why they're so wonderful for bringing a message across.
0: Where are you hoping? Imagine hope as a project will be a couple years down the line. Where do you see it going? Can you see it going? I mean, at this point, or are you kind of letting it unfold?
1: What I'm hoping is that this exhibition will be seen by as many people as possible who will think, start to think about some of these issues, start to talk about some of these issues. And I don't, we originally thought maybe it should go to museums, maybe it should go to universities, but you know, maybe it should just go to people who are interested in understanding about things and getting discussions going. I'm not really sure where it should go. Um, It has gone to Duke University, was received very well because it was shown in the chapel there, hung in the naves, it was absolutely beautiful, um, the way they displayed it. But there it was received really well. Is that the right place for it to go? I'm not really sure. I hope. I mean, we're looking for venues, we're looking for places that are open enough for it because A lot of museums right now, they don't want something that they think could be controversial. Hmm. I don't see this as controversial or political because these are issues that are happening in our world right now. But the people who don't want anything, they want all neutral, maybe this isn't where it should go. Well, and it's interesting, as you said, you
0: want the right people to see it, that quilters, by and large, I have found to be a very compassionate People, You know, everybody is doing charity quilts, everybody's right. doing that. And so there's a sense in which the quilt venue may be the right people, so to speak, as that you're touching on some compassion that's already there.
1: Well, yes, except that this work has been seen in the quilt world. Mm. And we would love for it to be able to get beyond. out, yeah, beyond that and get out into a world where people haven't seen something like this. So, Because I know that when one of these hangs somewhere, I've seen people who walk past and and then stop and go back and look at it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we would like to do, is to get people to stop what they're doing in their lives and maybe step back and think a little bit broader. If we would all just make a little step towards helping, it would help everybody in the world. So
0: let's imagine... Every person, I mean, a person who comes and sees your exhibit, what do you hope they might do next?
1: We had hoped that many people will ask that, and so we had said, well, we should probably have some sort of educational program with this. But this involves so much, and we actually have people um, on our team who would be interested in developing this, but we don't. We're not sure how to distribute it. You know. What we would love is for people to think about the issues enough that they would be interested in going and learning about it themselves. That's their decision to do something. Maybe if they just contact a friend or friends and they start talking about this. That's how things get started. It starts with discussions. And we would like to be the catalyst for starting the discussions. Hmm.
0: Now, let me just ask a a question about the exhibit as you have it set up particularly here in houston each one of your quilts that's part of the exhibit is a different color Um, was there a reason you chose to do that was there a a symbolism behind the color scheme itself
1: each of these quilts was based on a dream that i had that i dreamed in that color so i didn't choose the color of the subject it chose me Mm
0: -hmm. it's just interesting to me that it's Not quite the entire color spectrum there, but it's almost the complete thing, which says to me a completion and a diversity. Well, this is not
1: the entire exhibition. Mm -hmm. There's the the quilt with Archbishop Tutu in it Mm -hmm. that is not in here, and that is on world peace and, Mm -hmm. and the future of our children. And there is the yellow quilt called Precious Water, which is about the worldwide water situation that is not in here. And there is the black quilt, which is on um, loss of the Everglades, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, the wetlands, mm-hmm. are disappearing wetlands, and let's see, there has to be more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, there's 6, 7, eight, nine, 10, there's another one, can't think what it is, it'll come to me.
0: Probably at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I hope before then.
1: Um, but it is. It's an it... oh, the one on on um, environmental refugees. Mm. That is blue, and it's about the Tuaregs. And peop- it's about people who have to leave their area because the environment no longer allows them to do what they needed to do. Katrina was right. one of them.
0: Right. Right.
1: Right. Um, I think it is, it's,
0: it's a project, as you said, some people see it as controversial. I certainly don't, um, because these issues, like you said, they do exist, you know. But the, the colors to me did also say everything is involved and everything's interconnected. It totally is. You can't ever point to a single cause of anything, so.
1: And that's one of the biggest problems with the exhibition, is people say, well this is not on one issue, but all the issues go together.
0: Right. They People really want do. it simple. Yes. Tell me the one problem I need to be focused on, right. <laughs> and you're unwilling to do that. It's you're well, unwilling to make those choices for them. I guess that you need them to make their own response.
1: And the other thing is, my dreams are showing me this. Right. And so, if I, if they were showing me just one thing, I would do just one thing. So it didn't start out to be an exhibition. It started out to be me just making what I dreamed about. Right.
0: Hmm. Um, let my listeners know where they can get more information about your project
1: you can get more information about the project if you go to www.imaginehopeworldwide.org or you can become a Facebook like or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can like me on Imagine Hope in Facebook and I also have a page that is Hollis Chatelain textile artist where I also talk about, and you can see my work in the making, the Imagine Hope Facebook is really, I, I am on there, but this is our team that works right. on that. I am on, I'm Hall Artist, where I will show these works as I make them. I talk more about them on a personal level. Mm. The other one is more about the exhibition. Okay. But either way, you can find information about this exhibition.
0: Do you have any scheduled exhibitions coming up that you want to let people know
1: about? Right now, we're just doing this, okay. and we um, we are in negotiations with different places. But until it's actually finalized, we'll we will release re- release that information okay. once it's hard.
0: So hopefully, somebody listening to this has connections with the venues that would, <laughs> that be, would be suitable, and to be in touch with you if they do. Please
1: do please do contact the website or the Facebook, and you will you will come to the people on the team that know
0: how to take care of you. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. I will post links to um, Hollis's personal website or her art website, as well as to the Imagine Hope website. And remember, again, she mentioned you can find uh, both pages on Facebook as well. So do go and check it out. And I hope you will like those pages as well. I certainly have myself. Now I've got a couple of announcements to start with. First of all, remember the holiday challenge that deadline's approaching. I have gotten a few more people uh, who have entered and um, make sure that you just send me photos of your finished products in order to be considered uh, completely entered into the drawing. And to remind you of the holiday challenge, um, all you have to do is complete three quilty related projects and I'm actually interpreting that very loosely as I usually do, I'm big on not having a whole lot of rules, Um, but send me three uh, pictures of at least three completed projects from your uh, predetermined Christmas gift list or holiday gift list, and uh, I will enter you in the drawing for a wonderful, quilty, uh, fabric-y goodness type of gift, and the deadline for that is midnight December 15th. Again, remember, you don't have to add anything to your list. You don't need to do anything new for this challenge. It is simply to motivate you to get done the things you already wanted to get done. And congratulations to those of you who are already well on the way. Also, another announcement. I have posted a poll in the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup to the QuiltCast Supergroup in Big Tent. I'm just trying to get a feel for what kind of challenges you might like to see happen through this podcast in 2011. So if you're a member of that group, make sure you check out the message I left about the poll and give me a response. Uh, If you're not part of that group, more about that later. I also am getting ready to announce a drawing in January. This isn't going to be a challenge so much, I don't think, as just a, I want to get your responses and um, I will give, I will put everybody who responds their name into a hat and do a drawing. And that one is going to be about quilt related resolutions. And I'm letting you know now, because I do want you to start thinking about it. I'm actually pretty big on making New Year's resolutions and I'm just as good at breaking them. But what I'm looking at doing this year is uh, I would like to know what your quilt-related resolutions are for 2011. And I want you to think a little bit more deeply, I guess, or or more hmm, broad stroke, maybe. Uh, You could certainly send a list of UFOs you want to complete or projects you want to complete if that's what you really need to do. But I'd also like to have you think more about... um, habits or things you want to learn? Hmm, I don't know. You have to think about what you're feeling so moved to resolve in 2011 in terms of your uh, quote related resolutions. For example, one of my big ones is going to be actually getting some uh, scrapbooking type documentation done. I don't do paper scrapbooking. I've tried it a couple times. I don't particularly enjoy it and I hate all the little pieces of paper that end up all over my floor so I do digital scrapbooking because in order to clean up all you have to do is shut down your laptop and that's my kind of cleaning. Uh, In any case I have already begun downloading some Um, digital scrapbooking kits that are quilt related or at least could be put to that purpose and I am planning on in 2011 documenting my quilts in digital scrapbooks that then I can um, print off and have sitting on my coffee table so that's going to be probably my main 2011 resolution quilt related resolution I'll probably have one or two others but I want you to start thinking now and then I will officially launch the uh, that resolution drawing sometime after the holiday challenge is done because I get too confused if I'm trying to do too many at once. Also, another announcement. I have added a page to the show notes blog for this podcast um, at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. I'm sorry, I keep, I'm wiggling in my chair and I keep running into my microphone. So if you're hearing clonking, that's, that's what's going on. I'm trying to stop wiggling, but for some reason I'm a little jittery today. Um, In any case, I added a new page and I've called it Do Good. And the Do Good page is a listing of what's called social enterprise. Social enterprise are businesses that are started for the purpose of lifting people out of poverty or empowering, teaching marketable skills, helping at-risk women or youth, uh, those kinds of things. And so um, my conversation with Aminata Brown of Baba Blankets, which was, again, a couple of episodes ago, inspired me to start listing these sorts of things so that when you are out there looking for uh, quilty related type gifts, maybe you'll visit some of these sites first. I'm trying to do a little bit of due diligence um, with the ones that I'm coming across, but that's always a little bit hard. So I do have to put the disclaimer on there that some of the sites I'm listing, I may not have any personal experience with, and I may not have been able to find a whole lot of uh, background information about, you know, how much of a percentage of sales actually goes towards the projects, that kind of thing. I'm trying to find that. I can't always do that. So that's my disclaimer. It's kind of a shop at your own risk sort of thing. But I, you know, I tend to want to try to trust instead of just say, well, I'm I'm not going to recommend any because I can't prove it. You know, I'm just going to do what I can. Um, And hopefully if you are either aware of any more information on any of the sites that I've already listed and want to share that with me, that would be great. Or if you have other social enterprise um, that are quilt related. In other words, can people buy fabric? Can they buy embellishments? Can they buy actual quilted items of some sort? Those are the kinds of uh, social enterprise projects I'm looking at uh, to list on the Do Good page. Let me know. I'd appreciate your input as well. So those are all of my announcements. Again, the holiday uh, challenge, deadline approaching December 15th. Uh, Check out the poll in Big Tent. Get ready for the January drawing on resolutions and visit the Do Good page. Also remember the You Know Your Quilter When page. It's been two, three months, I think, since we've had a comment there. And if we go another couple of months without it, I will just probably take that page down or repurpose it or something. Um, but in any case, that was always a lot of fun. So if you want to join in the You Know Your Quilter win, uh, just go to www.quiltingfortherestofus.com and click on that page and leave your comments there. Okay, listener comments. Thanks again for everybody who is leaving comments and ratings on iTunes. I noticed a few new ones since the last time I checked. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know it takes you time to do that. Make sure that if you listen to any podcasts and you enjoy them, that is a fantastic way to help the podcaster because the more ratings and reviews you get, the higher up you show up in the search listings or something like that. So uh, do your favorite podcasters a favor and leave your comments and ratings on iTunes. It's greatly appreciated. I also appreciate all the Twitter crew. I've picked up a few new followers and I'm following a few new people as well. And that's always fun. Um, A lot of people post links to photos of projects they've created, or even like if they come across a great tutorial or whatever, they'll post a link to that too. So it's really helpful to be on Twitter. So I'd encourage you to do that if you're not already. Also, um, thanks to everybody who has joined the Flickr group for quilting for the rest of us. Keep joining. It's always fun to see the pictures. A lot more pictures have been posted in the last couple of weeks. We've got a lot of people who are being extremely productive. I'm very proud of you all. And also remember to leave comments on one another's photos. It really encourages people to post more, and that's the kind of encouragement we like. So thank you to everybody who is a member of Flickr, and um, go to Flickr and join up the group. All you have to do is search for Quilting for the Rest of Us in groups, and you'll find us. And also thank you to everybody who follows the blog and who has joined Big Tent. There are some great conversations going on there in several of the Quilt Podcast subgroups, so um, join up to join the fun. Thank you to Lynn and Pam, Maureen, Noni, and Kate for your comments on my Quilty blog. Uh, The other night, my family was watching something on TV I wasn't really interested in, but I was trying to be sociable and sitting in their presence, so I ended up bringing my laptop downstairs and putzing around on my blog, and, you know, I was just kind of bored, so I redesigned my blog, I guess, you know, no other reason for it other than just wanting to play with some new images. Um. Not to give my secrets away, but the background and header images on, and this is my quilting for the rest of blog, not the show notes blog. Uh, but on that blog, the background and header images come from a site called shabbyblogs.com. If you have a blog, you might want to check them out. It's really cool stuff and it's free and it's fun to use. Diane, quick comment. I would say that your Christmas gifts definitely count in the challenge. Personally, I would count that as 31 projects, so I'm adding your name to the drawing, but remember, you just got to send me a picture. Julie left a comment on episode 28, in which we went to Houston, part 2, and talked about a couple of quilt shows within driving distance of me. If you remember, I put the call out there for people to let each other know about quilt shows. Um, Julie talked about the Maine quilt show in Augusta, Maine at the end of July every year and a quilters gathering in Nashua, New Hampshire in November and also mentioned the Lowell Quilt Festival in Lowell, Massachusetts and the World Quilt Festival New England in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. My mom did go to the Manchester conference a couple of different times, and I have been itching to get there. Almost went a couple of summers ago. It didn't quite work out, but it is definitely still on my list, and now I've got three more to add. So thank you, Julie. Everybody else, check out Julie's comment on episode 28, so you'll have to scroll down on the show notes page for more information. Um, Thank you again for the recommendation, Julie. Jay also commented on episode 28 with some information about Georgia Steel's quilt-as-you-go method. And I have to agree with you, Jay. I know that the quilt-as-you-go thing has been around for a long time. It travels under various guises, slight variations on techniques, but I really couldn't tell you where it originated. Um, Jay did also give her reviews of a couple of quilt shows in her area, unfortunately not at all within driving distance for me. Thank you very much, but if there are any listeners out there in the western part of our country, read Jay's reviews of the Pacific International Quilt Festival and the Long Beach Show, um, also by IQA. Thanks to Leah, Jay, Jane, Noni, and Beth for leaving comments on various episodes. And yes, Noni, Quilt Index is the link that I mentioned in the interview with Amy. Um, If you remember that episode, everybody, I talked about subscribing to Quilt Index through my Google Reader, and I get a picture of their Quilt of the Day every day. And they're always really, really wonderful eye candy. So I would highly recommend that to everybody. Speaking of Amy, thanks so much to Amy Milne for leaving a comment. And bingo, we finally tracked down the person that had connected me with Amy in the first place. And that person has now been in touch with me as well to confirm it was her. So I can finally publicly say my huge big thank you to, drumroll please, Alice Thanks so much, Alice, for connecting me with the Quilter Save Our Stories project, and Amy Milne in particular, and helping to make that interview possible. I really, really do appreciate it. Also, I heard from Aminata Brown after she had listened to the interview that I did with her about Baba Blanket Enterprise, and I'm pleased to say that I am aware of at least one listener. That seemed to finish listening to the episode and almost immediately went to Baba Blanket's website and placed an order. Woohoo! I have posted an additional article that I found on Aminata in the Do Good page listing of her as well. I, really, I can't talk enough about this. Social enterprise seems to be a very effective way to help combat poverty, so I'd really encourage anybody who has the opportunity to support such businesses to do so. I also had a long email exchange with Tammy, and I'm thinking, I think I already shared some of it with you in the last episode. <laughs> I'm still a little bit in a post-holiday haze. We did host my husband's family here at our house for Thanksgiving, which was great, but I'm tired. So I might be uh, misremembering that. So sorry, Tammy. But I was rereading the emails and I did thought it decided to share with you a part um, only because by the date on this particular email, I know I couldn't have already said this in the last episode. So Tammy says, I thought a ruler was a ruler until about two years ago. Not so when you're a lefty. When I first learned to quilt, the lady who taught me sold me a Salem ruler for the 6x24 ruler. It was great and simple. As I grew with experience, I bought all kinds of square rulers, still no problem. Then I found a really neat 8x24 neon yellow laser ruler that made cutting dark fabric so much easier to cut. But here's the problem I never knew existed. My trusty Salem ruler is marked so that each end of the lines of the ruler, top to bottom, left to right, is one inch. And then each end of the next line is two, etc. It works for both a left and a right-handed person. I got my laser ruler home, and no matter which way I turned it, the numbers were growing the wrong side from my rotary cutter. Um, If I wanted to use it, I had to subtract in my head and cut on the six-inch line to get two-inch strips. Too much work or... uh, It was too much work to learn how to cut with the right hand. Not going to happen. In other words, the smallest ruler, the smallest number on this rule was on the right side, the largest number on the left side, no matter which way you turned it. Um, So it truly was a right-hander's ruler. She ended up giving it to her best friend, best quilting friend. Since then, Tammy says, I now look at the 6x24 or 8x24 rulers to see if they are a right or wrong. Except for my clear Salem ruler, they're all geared for a right-handed person. Time for a crusade. Lefties unite. But Tammy is a problem solver. So she goes on to say uh, the same shop that she bought the wrong ruler from was going to sell the rulers again. This time they were neon pink. We're going to make a donation for breast cancer for each one sold. She asked Tammy asked them if they had a lefty version, and she explained what the difference was. The store talked to the manufacturer and the manufacturers said they could draft one for lefties. Um, she was in for the shop hop, and they had the ruler, but they did—they only did the numbers backwards to them on the short side instead of both directions. The main reason you purchase a twenty-four-inch ruler is to cut strips. Um, and so she went back to them to say, you know, the still isn't right, and the store owner is going to have them redo it again the right way. So all you lefties out there, Tammy is on your side. She's crusading for you to make sure that rulers are ambidextrous, I guess I would say. Um, I'm not a lefty, but my sister is. She is not at the moment a quilter, but she has been, shall we say, dabbling her toes. Uh, So I did share this information with her. And also, um, my sister also works at Joanne, so she can also be aware of that issue for anybody who might be buying rulers there as well. So thank you, Tammy, uh, for sharing that story with us and for crusading on the part of left-handed quilters. Let's hope that um, you are successful and we can get more ambidextrous rules out there. And I have to say, once Tammy sent me that email, I looked at my rulers and realized Yeah, I've got one or two that I think are probably ambidextrous and I've got other ones that aren't. In fact, I've got other ones that throw me off because they're the type that are like nine and a half inches. So the extra half inch mark is on one side and I always have to make sure I've got it turned the right way. So I'm not cutting my strips the wrong size. Um, I mean, it's really handy when you need it, but it can trip you up (laughs) when you're not aware of it. Okay, Sandy update. I have an update. I am so excited. I have been on a roll and fuego this last couple of weeks. I've actually had a fair amount of time to sew an unusually meeting light schedule in the evenings, and um, coupled with the fact that my husband's been in and out of town, and he's going to be out of town again this coming week. So um, I don't have the, you know, guilt factor for not sitting downstairs with the family, because when it's just my daughter and I Home alone, we both are pretty happy to um, entertain ourselves. <laughs> so uh, she spends a lot of time on the computer, which is actually in the same room with my uh, sewing machine, so we can be companionable, and I can still be sewing. So uh, last week I finished a UFO that has been on my shelf for about three years, and it's my triple rail on point. I posted photos of that on my blog and had it hanging up in the living room in Thanksgiving. And then, of course, I said to my husband, but we have to make sure people sit in the living room during Thanksgiving so they'll actually see it. Because, you know, we have a really, really nice living room. It's actually my favorite room in the house. It's not overly frou-frou. It feels more like a library. Um, But, you know, the nature of family get-togethers is everybody ends up in the kitchen in the family room anyway. So I finally, at the end of Thanksgiving dinner, dragged one of my nieces in there (laughs) And made her look at it you know it was kind of a little bit of shameless show off but I, she's always a good audience so I figured it was worth it and she made all the appropriate comments um anyway I was pretty happy with the way that one turned out and once it's hanging on the wall you can't really see <laughs> the mistakes although in that one there weren't really any glaring mistakes just little you know things where my quilting wasn't quite even or whatever but it, it was not uh, really drastic so I'm pretty happy with the way that one turned out I will say that I used, for the first time, YLI machine quilting thread, um, the machine quilting weight. I don't remember what the number is, but it's actually labeled for quilting. And it was really very, very linty. I was kind of surprised. I I had bought it. I've been testing out different kinds of threads. um, And so far, I haven't found anything that will take me away from my beloved Aurifil. Aurifil being spelled A-U-R-I-F-I-L, for any of you who aren't familiar with it. Um, Aurifil has been I think the least linty thread I've ever used and I love the weight that I used for the piecing is a really nice thin but very strong thread. They do have a quilting weight thread which I've now used and I really enjoyed that too. The YLI was just really really linty. It never broke on me. It worked fine. It looks nice on the quilt but I had to spend a lot of time cleaning out my machine after I finished using it. Um, I also used borders on a roll for that wall hanging, uh, those are the ones the pre printed border patterns that you um, put the paper, you adhere the paper to your quilt, and then you just quilt through the paper and then tear it off. Uh, second time I've used it, it's not bad. The first time I was able to spray baste it, and although I've mentioned that and I had some issues with the spray baste on the particular fabric I was using, this time I didn't, I was out of spray baste, and so I ended up pin basting it, and that just doesn't work real well with paper, obviously. Um, It wasn't staying really even on the thing. I had to keep kind of nailing it down with my hands as I was quilting and I wasn't ever positive I was getting it in the right place. Um, So probably if you went over the border with a magnifying glass or, you know, measuring tools, you would see that I'm not entirely in line, but it was good enough, you know, for the purpose. I wouldn't put this in a show. I don't put quilts in shows anyway, Uh, but it, it was okay. It did work. I will say next time I use a border on a roll, because I've still got a boatload of the stuff left, I inherited it from my mom, I would definitely do the spray basting again because it just holds it much more securely while you're using it. Once I got that finished, I immediately went to work on my next UFO, which is a quilt for my niece. Um, This is one that I had finished the piece top, I think probably at the same quilt retreat that I did the triple rail on point. I did... um, two pieced tops at that same retreat. I think this was the second one. And it's the stack and slash method, which is a whole lot of fun to do. And once I do this, I may talk about that more in my next episode. Um, so if you're not familiar with it, hang on. Sorry, I forgot I had my uh, my space heater on and it just turned on and I'm sure that didn't sound good. Uh, anyway, it's off now. I, the stack and slash method is a lot of fun. And for this particular quilt, I used a layer cake of batiks and what ends up happening is it kind of has a really cool almost stained glass window effect because as you know batiks can be really almost um, uh, translucent isn't the word I'm looking for but they almost glow when you get them all together and so it turned out really cool. I decided to I, I had wrapped it up and given it to her for Christmas three years ago and then as soon as she said "Ooh, ah that's nice I took it right back snatched it right out of her hands and said okay now I got to finish it And it took me this long to get around to finishing it. I'm sure she's ever forgotten she ever even saw it in the first place. I wanted to meander quilt the center of it, and it ended up being a little more of a stipple. Really, the main difference between a stipple and a meander is the size. Uh, There's probably others that would argue with me, but that's the only difference I've really ever seen. And I wanted this to be kind of a looser meander, and I just started out too small. And the problem is, once you start out a certain size, you kind of got to commit to it then because otherwise it looks goofy. So I ended up doing more of a stipple than I intended and man, does that take up a lot of thread. I was able to do it all on one spool of thread. I went through something like six bobbins, maybe seven, of the same thread. I was using the variegated thread on both top and bottom because I wanted the same look. I did make it all the way through the center and then I've got a narrow inner border that I just uh, stitched in the ditch around both sides of it. Um, I used a different thread on top for that just to to match the inner border fabric, Um, but I still used the variegated in the bobbin. And then on the border, I was getting really worried that I was going to run out of thread, and by now I didn't want to switch threads, you know, halfway through a border. So I decided to just do a really loose uh, loop, kind of a loopy thing where you, you know, swirl in one direction then he come around and swirl in the other direction and it was pretty big um and I did that all the way around the outside and the problem is I had pin basted again with this because I'm still out of spray baste and this is a little bigger it's not quite twin size it's somewhere between a throw and a twin and that's a little harder to spray baste but um I really, I found, I really prefer spray basting. It It's just much more secure. Pin basting stuff was still shifting on me and I just had a Dickens of at the time with the borders. So I'm not really at all happy with the way the borders turned out, but this is not an heirloom quilt. This is meant to just be fun and something she can cuddle up in when she's studying for classes or whatever. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to just not sweat it and and just slap the bindings on the puppy and call it done. Um, I will admit, however, to going after it with a black Sharpie in a couple of places. Um, The border fabric is a mottled black batik, and so I chose to use the variegated thread, and there's some places where... when I had to like lift my hands up, you know, I'd stop sewing, I'd lift my hands up to reposition and go back in and it would just jump just a little bit. And so you'd see in this loop kind of a little hitch in the loop. So what I'm doing is just going through and coloring those all in with black Sharpies. So you don't notice them as much. Thank you, mom, for that tip on how to cheat. I think my mom taught me all the great cheats in quilting, which is fun. Again, I don't put quilts in shows, so it doesn't matter, which is always very nice. Um, So anyway, that UFO, I need to get the bindings on it. I'm planning on maybe getting at that tonight after I'm done with this episode, if I can. Um, And then once I'm done with that, I've got another uh, quilt done exactly the same way, also with batiks that I made for her sister. Uh, That's my next UFO to get to, and I'm hoping to work on that this week too. So, um, that means with the triple rail on point and this one almost done, I only have two more UFOs to go and I don't know if I'll get them both done before Christmas, um, I'd like to only because I have this thing about wanting to start the new year uh, UFO free. That would be great. But fortunately, even though I keep referring to these quilts for my nieces as Christmas gifts, that side of the family never does Christmas until January anyway. So I've got, even though there'll be Christmas gifts, I've got a little bit of a, you know, leeway on, on when Christmas actually is, which is helpful. So the only other thing I've been doing this week is um, working on getting myself ready. As I said earlier, my main 2001 quilty related resolution is to work on creating um, some sort of coffee table digital scrapbooks on documenting my own quilts plus these antique quilts that I have plus my mom's quilts. I'd really like to get a, a scrapbook done for my mom's quilts. So I've been spending some time back on my digital scrapbooking sites looking for papers and elements and such that are quilt related. And I'm really pleased to say this isn't the first time I've looked for them, but it's been a while and I'm finding a whole lot more out there now than I did a while back. Um, So let me know if that's something you'd be interested in knowing where I'm finding this stuff. If you do digital scrapbooking and I can uh, post some links or something, I won't bother doing it now because it would take me a while. But it was really it's there's some nice stuff out there. So I'm looking forward to starting to play with that. And that's, that's it. Like I said, I actually have an update and it's fun to be able to have all this stuff to report on. And I'm hoping next week I'll have even more to report on. That'll be good. So I think that's all I've got to say. Remember that I really love getting your comments on the episode and you can do that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. It's very easy to leave comments. Do you remember that your comments um, are moderated? That's a spam filter kind of thing. So don't panic when they don't show up immediately. I try to uh, post them as soon as I see them, but, you know, time zone differences, you might post it when I'm asleep and I won't see it until the next morning. So just be patient. If you don't see it show up in a day, then you might want to go in and check again or shoot me an email and say, hey, I posted a comment and didn't see it. And I can let you know if I've just slacked off on my job. You can also, um, at the same site, quiltingfortherestofus.com, you can sign up for my free, oh, let's just call it a quasi-monthly newsletter. I try to be uh, monthly about it. Don't always make it. You can also join the Big Tent Quilt Cast Supergroup. And from there, once you're into that group, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us group, subgroup. And you'll find, li- uh, <laughs> you'll find links to the Flickr group uh, for Quilting for the Rest of Us and to my Quilty blog, separate from the show notes of the episode. You'll also find a way to connect with me on Twitter, which my Twitter name is Sandy Quilt, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. And you can email me at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z at gmail.com. Uh, but all of that goodness is at Quilting for the Rest of Us.com. So thank you very much for joining me for this episode. And until next time go get your quilting on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.